Ah, oh, here we are in the Coal Hill School common room again. I'm joined by David. How are you, David? Not bad. How's your day been, Rob? Not too bad at all. And we are going to talk about the coach with the dragon tattoo. Yes, because let's face it, for I certainly know myself, perhaps you, and definitely most Doctor Who fans out there, the scariest part of school probably was PE. Yes, I remember PE well. Um, I was I was lucky to be gifted enough to be all right at it. I was never the best cricketer or the best runner, but I was I was okay at it. So I got by. But I never enjoyed the classes, and I saw a lot of trauma going on with my with my companions who really didn't like being out there, uh, especially yes. in winter. Yes. No. Look, I I enjoyed playing you know lunchtime footy or lunchtime cricket, but formal PE classes where you had to actually you know do structured stuff and run up and down and lift things and uh, horror. Oh, let's let you know. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's not have those flashbacks. Oh dear, I'm, I'm traumatising you, but I, I fear I might be about to traumatise everyone even further because one of the first things we see in this episode is the uh, the coach with the dragon tattoo nuding up. And I'm not sure why he's nuding up. He's just been standing on the sidelines of a soccer match. He's not sweaty, he doesn't need a shower, but he nudes up. <laughs> and again, we're reminded, hmm, this really isn't a kid's show, is it? No, and... It was quite a stark moment that, yeah, as you said, just prompted us that we're definitely not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I guess it was all there to show that he has the dragon tattoo on his body, and what better way to show his body than to have him nude up. However, I found it not uh, not confronting, just uh, surprising, I guess is probably the best word, that... Again, I'm being surprised by this show. We were talking in our last episode about gore and legs coming off and things like that. And now we have a nude man. This is very Torchwood sort of territory. Not quite where I thought class might actually be. Um, I'll I'll disagree with you slightly there. Whilst the more adult tone is what Torchwood was meant to be, if this had been done in Torchwood there would have been a lot of, hey, everybody, look, we've got a naked guy over here. Aren't we cool and sexy and adult? This is amazing. Whereas here it, here it just happens and then they get on with it and it totally fits in with the story. So it's, I, I think it's already doing more adult, in inverted commas, far better than Torchwood did because it's less self-conscious about it. Mm, true. I guess something else that happens straight after we see this uh, chap in the nutty is uh, there's an attack scene because the dragon, the, the, the tattoo on his body, comes to life and uh, kills his fellow coach in a very graphic way. Lots of um, flesh, lots of blood. In fact, uh, blood dripping down the uh, the shower recess and, and going down the drain and so on. So it, it right from the off, this episode hits the ground running and here's a guy being ripped apart. This is, this is what the episode is about. Yeah, I, I was sitting there watching those first few minutes going, wow, this is actually pretty full on. You know, the the skinned body and the blood trickling. I thought this wouldn't be out of place in a Stephen King adaption or something. It, they, they didn't hold back. Yeah, Stephen King or X-Files. In fact, it's probably more graphic than some X-Files episodes were, which tend to not show a lot of graphic horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably one step beyond, beyond that. Yeah, no, no, they... They're going for it, no doubt about that. Mm. Now, we have these early scenes with the with the soccer and the coach and so on, and so we see a bit of Ram, 
and we get the sense that the other characters are trying to be in touch with him, you know, leaving messages on his mobile and so on, and he's being quite um, aloof from them. He's also having trouble with the alien leg, which um, the Doctor had said he would have to get used to, um, and we see that he's not playing soccer as well as he used to and all of that sort of stuff. But I've got to say, for someone with a super-secret alien leg where you can see all the workings inside it, you know, it's transparent... Um, he, he kept having it uncovered where anyone could perhaps see it. Like, he's in a school corridor with... He's, he's got his trouser hoisted up, having a, having a bit of a look at it, and he's in the the, um, the change room, I think. He had it uncovered, and I'm thinking, dude, you've got to be a bit more careful with this, because that's really weird stuff you've got going on there. Yeah, so th- th- there's a couple of points I want to make on that. I'll, I'll, I'll do the simple one first, which is... I did wonder about the practicality of the whole leg thing and, and just how it's going to work, because you're right... In, in a teenage boy's life, the ability to cover up your leg just isn't easy. As you say, you've got to go into change rooms. Um, at some point, particularly a ladies' man like Ram, surely he's going to be in a situation with a lady where he's going to want to take his clothes off, including his sock. Yes. You know, how, does, how, how does that work? And, and maybe that's a deliberate plot. You know, maybe this, this leg's going to destroy his life in some ways. I don't know, but... Wondering about that did take me out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. But my broader point is that this whole thing really told us, I think, a lot more about where the show wants to go in a couple of ways. We see here the characters, particularly Ram, dealing with the consequences of the last episode. So this isn't Adrian got killed, we'll talk about it for 30 seconds, have a laugh, and then we'll get on with the adventure. This is real dealing with the implications of it physically and emotionally. And I think that's what class is going to do, and it could be very effective doing it. The second point is that I thought this felt a little bit like Skins in that it's clearly going to concentrate on a character each episode, and this was the Ram episode, um, similar to another show, Glue, which actually stars Tommy Knight from the series The Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm, mm, yeah, I can see that. After we have this quite adult introduction with the naked man, the graphic murder, uh, Ram having psychological issues and so on, things all of a sudden went a bit juvenile. I I don't know if you've noticed a couple of things here. One is um, Tanya referring to the bunghole of time that has opened up and things pooping out of it. Yeah. And then... I noticed... Uh, yeah, and then almost within a scene or two of that, Ram calling Charlie Dickface at one point. And I was like, oh, the tone's gone a bit funny again. Like, it's gone in one direction, now it's kind of shifted, and I guess they are meant to be young, and Tanya is particularly meant to be young. But it just suddenly felt a bit funny all of a sudden. Yeah, the the whole, the whole you know, what are we going to call this thing conversation, I thought was trying a bit too hard, and it was just wrong didn't didn't work for me uh, i actually thought that ram's coming to charlie worked because often the criticisms of shows like this are that they're the most politely spoken teenagers ever in the world mm. they never actually swear or curse or anything like that so to at least he- hear him use those words i thought okay they're, they're making a bit of a genuine effort here because teenagers do call each other that sort of thing yeah. adults call each other that sort of thing let's face it Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and there is some harder swearing in the uh, in the episodes as well. Yeah, um, so I, I actually thought, well, that's fine. That 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 actually was quite a, probably what a kid like that would say in that circumstance. 
Yeah, and and now continuing with Ram, because as you've pointed out, this is a a Ram-centric sort of episode, he goes outside to have a cigarette, I think on the roof of the the academy, and he gets talking with what I presume is a dinner lady from the way she's dressed. Uh, Eastern European used to be an accountant in her old country, now she's uh, obviously working at the school as a dinner lady or a cleaner or something like that. And she suddenly gets violently murdered (laughs) right in front of him, and he is covered in guts again. And it's almost comedic, and it's almost like it's happened to the same guy again. It's a hell of a lot of guts and gore. Am I actually meant to be laughing at that point? I'm not, I don't know. I don't think you are. <laughs> but I did. Oh, interesting. Um, I well, First of all, just to mention the cigarette, I thought in 2016 to have a lead character in a even older children's show smoking a cigarette, I thought was a brave choice, and I actually commend them for doing it. Uh, not because I remotely support smoking, but because people do it, and it was so believable that character would go and do that. Yes. He is admonished by Tanya, though, later in the episode. You know, like, you're an athlete, you're smoking, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, that that, that is true. I did notice that. But I thought it was it was a proper character moment, and I commend it for doing that. Uh, I didn't laugh at the, the attack. I did actually think it was directed in a very odd way. My criticism wasn't that I found it funny, but that... It took me a while to go, hang on, is, is this a flashback or not a flashback? And I thought the direction just didn't quite work. So that, that, that scene didn't sell itself to either of us, but I guess for different reasons. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Uh, we have a small reveal. We're sort of getting, in, in these episodes, little reveals about the characters' backgrounds, particularly their relationships with their parents. And we learn that Tanya's dad had a stroke two years ago. Uh, it doesn't go any further than that, but I just made the little note here, just so we have that, that marker in the sand, that Tanya doesn't have a dad. She does mm-hmm. have the overly protective mother. Again, this might be, again, why she's overly protective. I think Tanya at one point mentions she's a Nigerian mother. Of course she's protective. But perhaps not having that father in her life is another reason why she's um, she's protected like that. Yeah, look, it, it could be. I, I noted that and said, sure, fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, while all of this is going on, um, there is an observer in Miss Quill's classes. Um, This guy reminded me of Tote, the character from Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, the Nazi character in the leather um, coat. And I think it was the glasses that might have did it, and and just the expression on his face. I thought, oh, look, Tote is in the class. But um, no, he's there as an observer, but Miss Quill sort of has her suspicions about him and what he might be up to, or what he is. Yeah, it was it was almost a little bit too obvious because the, the the observer's wearing glasses from a different era, a shirt that's from a different era again, and, and acting in a, just a completely strange and bizarre way. Like there's there's no way this guy isn't something dodgy. Like it's just not. Yeah, so, there was that analysis of him. It's like oh, his jacket's new, but the pants have. The pants are 40 years old, and we can tell from the stitching. I thought, well, that, that's a pretty obscure way of knowing. Yeah, that that, that was very odd, but I, I, I didn't notice the stitching on the jacket, but I did notice the glasses and the shirt, so... Mm. There is a scene uh, around this point, too, which I made a little a note of, again, re- relating to Tanya. Again, it doesn't really go anywhere for now, but it suggests that she's been hacking Unit. Yeah, so that's what that was, because I saw it. And I just thought, oh, of course, our cliched character's also a hacker. Of course she is. <laughs> and I didn't notice what she was actually hacking. And I that could just be because I was watching on the iPad at the time, so I didn't 
see it in quite its full lifelike relief but i had to watch it twice um when she says the word unit it's slightly obscured in the dialogue but she definitely says unit right okay Mm. (laughs) we then have the meeting with i don't know if he's meant to be the headmaster or a house master or or something of that nature I, i certainly assumed he was the headmaster yeah, yeah, I, I've written it here as the headmaster, but then I sort of second-guessed myself because obviously he gets killed uh, later in this scene. They're about to discuss, I thought, oh, they've killed the headmaster pretty quick. Um, Much like Principal Flutie. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I was going to say, in this scene, April again strikes me as the willow of the piece, willow from Buffy. Mm. Um, she gives a line like, I can be disruptive, or, or something along those lines, and she does this sort of quirky sort of fake defiant sort of tilt of the head as she delivers the line and you could almost imagine alison hannigan doing exactly the same thing yeah okay yeah no no i i agree i I didn't think of it at the time but i see where you're going yeah because she she is meant to be such a good character but she's saying you know i can i can be whatever it is she says i've I've written defiant here or disruptive but I'm, i'm i'm not sure what she said then of course the headmaster is killed in front of april and and charlie and so on um more gore um, mm. a, a, again, it was almost comedic to me. I've written again here, is it meant to be? Because <laughs> I'm just getting this sort of splatter film, this sort of over-the-top, you know, splat, you know, blood and guts everywhere kind of vibe. But I don't know if I'm meant to laugh or smile. Yeah, I, I don't know about laugh, but I certainly felt that there was a, a knowingness to it to take that edge off it. Mm, I think so. And that takes that character out of the show after the first two episodes. Um, in shows like this, where we have people walking around saying, oh, kids are always disappearing, and now like a, a teacher or a headmaster has disappeared, why does never anyone investigate properly? Even at the end of the first episode where Ram's girlfriend got zapped, obviously to the authorities she's missing, but there didn't seem to be any investigation. Everyone was just allowed to go home. It's kind of like, ah, oh, she's missing. All right, go home. No, so e- either we're just meant to forget about it because that's the conceit of the show, or maybe we'll find out that actually Unit is investigating and they've told the police, back off, this is ours. Maybe. Because, because if that hasn't happened, it would kind of suggest Unit's not very good at their job if they haven't noticed what's going on. <laughs> exactly. And you've just reminded me, actually, earlier in the episode, around the conversation of the uh, bunghole in time, I think Charlie made the observation that people are disappearing and no one's talking about it except us. Maybe there's something blocking memories in the school. Again, just a wild guess. Yeah, that that, that struck me as a possibility as well. But again, I, I kind of gave him points for acknowledging that elephant in the room. I thought it was appropriate they do so. Yeah. We then get a bit of modern technology in the show, something we never saw in things like Buffy, with uh, some Skype calls. One is between Tanya and Ram, one's between April and Charlie. Um, a, a weird thing I notice is they built in a bit of, like, video stutter into the videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they'd been filmed perfectly in HD, they built that in, which I thought was neat. Uh, yes, I... And then they combined the call, and they had, like, a four-way call. And I thought, this is really neat. This is kind of like the Scooby gang in modern times. You know what? I suspect, Rob, that you and I are sitting there going, this is really neat and clever how they've done this. Anybody aged about 25 and under would not have even noticed it as a thing. Any, <laughs> any more than we would notice if the characters picked up the phone and spoke to each other. Like, it just it 
I guess for that generation, it just is. That's yeah. just what you do. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I was, I was uh, going on about this on Facebook the other day, if I can just go off on a tangent, because a um, friend of the show, Mark Atkinson, who is one-third of the Proctor Who podcast, was in a recording studio. He's a musician, and he's recording his new album, and he went on Facebook Live, and he's filming a drummer laying down some drum tracks, and then he walks outside, and I'm watching this live, and I've watched live television for years, obviously, but I'm watching it on an iPad wirelessly, and I'm walking around my house holding this Star Trek-like device, <laughs> watching someone in the UK stream footage from the garden they're in, and then I'm typing little messages and he's reading them, and I'm thinking, this is just the most amazing thing. This is actually magic to me. Yeah. But to someone of a certain age, a younger age, it it's just how the world works. It's just a device that works. But to our age group, it's still slightly magical. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was watching, um, uh, <laughs> being being slight of something something of a political nerd. I was watching the Al Smith dinner live from uh, New York the other day, and I just thought, you know, there was a time when you'd have to get a newspaper report of this with a few quotes three days later, and here I am just watching a dinner in New York live. Yeah, so so cool. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we're, we're off on a rabbit hole there. <laughs> we are, we are, we are. Um, Ms. Quill uh, is wandering around the darkened corridors of the Academy, as she's wont to do, and comes across the Observer from her class. And he doesn't speak. She is speaking to him, but he doesn't speak. He, he simply replies that he wants her by holding up a little sign. Yes. She takes this the wrong way, though, doesn't she? Yes. <laughs> but, it, but it was a very funny moment. It was. And, you know, we spoke in the last episode about how Miss Quill, some of the stuff she does is a little bit try-hard. We hadn't quite warmed to her. This was a scene where, again, it was maybe a little bit over the top, a little bit try-hard, but I I kind of liked her a bit more in this one than the previous episode. Yeah, so as I said in our last episode, Miss Quill is the big question mark I still have where I haven't worked out what I think of the character. In this one, I did think that she got some better lines, uh, particularly around her dealings with the robot and the comments afterwards. Uh, I still don't quite know about her character, though. I, I still have the question mark is still there. Yes, yes, it is. Now you mentioned robot, and that's because the the big reveal, of course, the the dragon appears from the chap's tattoo, and another dragon appears, the mate of that dragon, and it eats the uh, observer from her class but he has this weird glow in his eyes and you're thinking well what's going on there is that something magical no he's a robot underneath the skin mm -hmm. and uh bits metallic bits clatter to the floor and i thought okay i wasn't actually expecting that although he he, he didn't speak although he was very strange i wasn't expecting him to actually be like an android type thing yeah no that that caught me by surprise as well i will pay him credit for that yeah uh, Ram then stands up to reason with the, uh, the dragon, the mate of the dragon who's in the dragon tattoo, who we learn accidentally got zapped into the coach's body, uh, fell through the, the hole in time and space in the school and, and just collided with him and then got trapped in his body. That's how it became the tattoo. And Ram's reasoning here is very much a parallel to his own situation, uh, and his girlfriend, uh, dying and, and him having to, to get on with life and to, to just accept that it happened and to move on. This dragon needs to accept that it's happened. His mate is trapped in the tattoo in this guy's body. You have to move on and so on. Um, it was maybe a little heavy handed, a little ham fisted, but 
not bad. This uh, this speech Ram makes. The the speech itself wasn't bad, but I w- I will confess to being a bit disappointed that after what I thought was a very good episode, with a lots of good performances, good emotional points, good drama, good reveals, suddenly you basically say to the dragon, "Dude, piss off," and the dragon goes, "Yeah, right." <laughs> And it's kind of just resolved. Yeah. And I, I, actually, I actually thought the re- I, I thought the, re- the, re- the resolution was a bit of a cop-out. I, I actually, I really did. Well, one part of that resolution was the coach being killed, uh, which I guess was going to be obvious all the way through. But I thought it was a little harsh, you know, because that dragon did sort of collide with his body in an accident. He, he wasn't an evil man. He was kind of a taskmaster on the, the playing fields as a coach. But this all happened accidentally. Did he deserve to die for this? Well, this was a this was the big thing that I took out of the episode in many ways because if this was Doctor Who, unless it was Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which is a standalone episode for this, yes, he would not have had that penalty. You know, Doctor Who doesn't say, "Well, you've done bad things, therefore your penalty is to die." Whereas this one, they've gone, "Well, he kind of deserved it," and he was. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a very different moral code or, or, or level of moral ambiguity than what Doctor Who does have or what Doctor Who should have. Hmm, yeah. And, and again, going back to the first episode and things we discussed in the past, having characters built up only to be killed off, I thought this could have been quite an interesting recurring character, uh, particularly if Ram is going to try and become a better soccer player, as we sort of learn in a few more scenes that we'll discuss here. He would have been coming up again and again. He could have been a bit of a nemesis. I, mm. I, I guess having the tattoo might have been a problem, but if they could have perhaps got rid of that and then he just becomes a nasty guy, I, th- I saw potential in him. And no, he's gone. Episode two and splat, he's gone. Yeah, but the interesting thing is, and I think one of the reasons why it works or, or it works better is because if this was Doctor Who, it would be a character clearly in a fictional world, often an alien world, and so, therefore, them being killed is kind of like, well, okay, they're a fictional character. Because class is very deliberately grounding everything in the real world. These are students at a school in London with teachers, with everyday lives. So, suddenly, when the coach gets killed, it's like, oh, that, that's a real guy with a real life. Mm. And so, I think it, it does make the point stronger for, for that in a way the Doctor Who doesn't. And as I say, shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, similar to the the previous episode of the show, although they had more time to play it out, we sort of have the conclusion of the uh, the dragon and the coach gets killed and so on, but then we have a, a, a few more character-type scenes, you could perhaps call them. One is April is uh, playing her violin, and she gets a call from what is apparently uh, Dad on, on yes. the screen, and she ignores it. Yep. So, again, learning more about these characters' parents. We, we know April has a disabled mother she obviously lives with. She also seems to now have a father who's perhaps um, living somewhere else, perhaps divorced, um, and she doesn't want to hear from him. You know, so that, that raises this question uh, about April. You know, what's going on in her life? It, it does. And, and it does in a, in, a, in a nice, simple way where you go, okay, just show, show it on the phone and her not answering. That told us more than any five-minute scene of exposition could have told us. Exactly. 
Uh, we then, though, have a scene of exposition with uh, Ram out in his backyard with his dad. He's trying to uh, kick down a, uh, was it a bottle of water or something? I've, I've forgotten already. He was trying yeah, to was. kick a soccer ball at a bottle and uh, failing. And he actually um, ends up revealing to his dad what's going on with the dragon. He shows his dad his alien leg. His dad seems to take it quite well, I've got to say. Um, what did you uh, make look, of that? I, 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 have, I have huge amounts of positivity for the whole thing. Uh, I have positivity for the way the dad reacted in that it was a, look, I'm not going to tell you that you're lying because clearly the leg's in front of me, but I'm kind of struggling to process this, but you're still you're my son, and oh my God. Yeah, I, I thought it was quite a good reaction, mm. but I was so, so pleased. At the end of episode one, I thought the dad was going to be another cliche. Uh, the the um, driven parent that's driving the kid, uh, that doesn't have the relationship with the kid, uh, they want the kid to succeed, and the kid... I thought, it was, I, I, thought I could see where this character's going to be, and we've seen it all before. And suddenly the dad's a really nice guy yes. and really cares about his son. And the dad isn't watching his soccer games because the dad is trying to live vicariously through his son. He's watching it because he loves his son and he wants to share the soccer with him. Yeah. So I was so pleased that character wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I warmed to him so, so much. Yeah, and, you know, on another tangent, I like the way that this isn't going to be a big secret for weeks, Ram's leg, and his father's wondering, oh, has he hurt his leg? What's going on there? No, it's all out in the open. He has showed his dad the leg. His dad knows everything, and we're only at the end of episode two. Yeah, and, and let's face it, in the real world, a teenage kid would do that. So You know, all these shows you get where the parents are kept out of the loop, you go, that just wouldn't happen. Mm. When you're a kid and you're vulnerable you break down and you tell your parents. So I thought it, it added an extra level of realism that some shows didn't have. And really, really, I really love that whole aspect of this episode. Indeed. And the final bit of character uh, development, I guess we could say that goes on is uh, Ms. Quill examines the robot parts that clattered to the ground in that corridor. And they're stamped with something that says the governors. And she says, who are the governors? Asking the question, I guess, we're all asking at home. So that's perhaps setting up something that happens in the next episode or some future episode as well. Yes, but is the now-deceased headmaster in on something? Because he mentions that the governors won't be pleased about what's going on. I did not pick up on that at all. In the scene just before he's killed, and he's talking to the, the, the students about the um, cleaner that disappeared, he says something along the lines of, oh, it would really upset the governors. At the time, I thought that's an interesting way to phrase it. So I don't know whether it's misdirection or there is a link there and he knows something's going on. I just assumed, like I guess we were meant to assume as the audience, school governors, but now that, it has this double meaning. That's right. Ha! That's excellent. I, I hadn't I hadn't put two and two together until now. That's excellent. Um, next week, we get a flash of some sex, lots of tentacles and... Tanya's dad, who we know is deceased, uh, so it might be some sort of flashback. Do you have any thoughts on that brief next week kind of flash we got? Only that I will watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think you could really take too much out of it, but it looked it looked interesting, so yeah. All right then. So to summarise this episode, um, at the end, I was I sat there, I, I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll say that up front. 
But I, I sat there wondering if it's hitting its demographic. It, it's very young adult with the teen angst and the humour and we're talking about the language and the, the, the bunghole in time and all that sort of stuff. That's one thing. But it's also, I think, quite Torchwood. I know you, you made some comments about Torchwood earlier. But I think it's quite Torchwood in terms of the blood and the guts and there was nudity and next week we had that flash of someone having sex and all that sort of stuff. And as an adult, I can watch all of that comfortably. I can see all the components and I can relate to them in some way and get something out of them. But if I was 16, would I would I like it? Maybe I would. I, I'm not sure. Would I resonate more with one sort of aspect of it than the other? Would I like it as a whole? I, I don't know. I'm actually keen to sort of see more people commenting, um, particularly if you want to write to us at hello at the dwshow.net and let us know what you think, particularly if you're a younger person. Because... I am enjoying it, but I'm just wondering if it's... I'm just wondering what it's trying to do at times. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. So I I would not be shocked if older Doctor Who fans found this didn't hit the mark with them. I, I would not be shocked at all. It's a very different show. It's going for a different type of approach. And if it missed the mark with, you know, 45-year-old Doctor Who fans, okay, I'll, I'll get that. Um, is it hitting the mark for me? More or less. I've got some good points and a couple of negatives I'll, I'll get to in a moment. You're right, though. Is it hitting the mark with 16-year-olds? I think if it was me at 16, it would be. But I'm willing to accept that I may not necessarily have been typical of 16-year-olds either. But I also know 16-year-olds have changed in the last 20 years. Oh, my God, it's 20 years. <laughs> Um, in that, uh, nerd culture has grown up and there are a lot more of these shows out there that are a lot more mainstream now. So I, I don't know. And yeah, I'll be interested to hear how it goes with its intended demographic. Mm, definitely. And I, I think we'll get some sense of it over this weekend, but by about the time of episode four or five, perhaps, I think we'll, we'll have a, a much better idea. Yeah, I think so too. And maybe even a sense of whether it will come back next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long they take to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes they have it already in the bag. They know they're going to do it. And if they have a great first weekend, they just announce it straight away. You're renewed for next year. But who knows in these times, particularly the way the BBC is going. Yeah, that, that's true. And I've certainly seen a couple of comments from cast members that would imply that they don't know if there's going to be a second series. So I think they're waiting as much as we are. All right, then. I guess all that's left is to give it a score. I went first last time. Well, actually, I've just got a couple of other points I just want to make oh, if I first. Please do. Um, I, I, probably the one thing that I've really missed here is there were a couple of moments that stuck out for me as being what I would call very special episode moments, little life lessons. So we highlighted earlier the one about the cigarette. Uh, there was another comment there where Miss Quill speaks about the internet. And, you know, it's unbelievable what these humans put on there. And both of them really stuck me as, oh, let's insert the nice good message into this for the teenagers watching. And I just thought they were really incongruous. And I hope they don't do that too much. I guess, I just to jump in, I think that second line of hers also had the, a, a tail on it, which was like lots of genitalia. So I think it was there as a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. But I, I, I just... I, I guess I'm hypersensitive for that sort of thing, and I just hope that that isn't the way they go down. And, and the other thing is, not a negative for this episode, but again, a hope for the future, in that I hope the series isn't going to be CGI Monster of the Week. Mm. 
Fair enough. Uh, in, in a way that I didn't watch a lot of Merlin, but I did see the first series, and that kind of became CGI monster of the week. You'd have a plot, you'd have a monster made out of CGI, they'll go and deal with it, they'll all go home. I hope that the dragon, you know, the, the, the dragon clearly was a CGI monster of the week, but I hope they do a different style of villain or monster or alien or whatever in future episodes. In the same way that, and we can't keep coming back to it, but Buffy season one, you actually got incredibly different uh, adversaries in each episode, whether it's the, the invisible girl, the locust, um, the animated um, clown dummy thing, you know, all, all different things going on in that. I, ho- I hope that they have variety in this series and it's not just a variation on the dragon every week. And underpinning Buffy, of course, was the master all the way through that first season. Uh, we don't sort of have a central villain yet. Maybe these governors are going to become that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, so that, that, that isn't a criticism of this episode, but it is a point that I perhaps we will come back to in future episodes to see if they do go down a path. I hope they don't go down. It sounds like you want to record future episodes. Well, I'm going to tune in for the next one, and the best part about being a fan of something is that you get to talk about it with other fans, so why not? Exactly. I just know that leading up to this, we were thinking, we'll, we'll watch these first two episodes and see if we like it enough to continue. But uh, from the sounds of things, it sounds like you're keen to continue. I certainly am myself. So uh, shall we continue? Let's continue. All right. Um, if you don't have any other notes, we'll go to uh, the scores. So I thought this was a better episode than episode one. Okay. In that it did get on with telling a good story. I thought that the story had some flaws, but I like what the show is doing. I like the way that it's being character driven. I like the way that it's trying to live up. And I think in many ways it is living up to its down to earth, more realistic tone. Is it quite there yet? No, it's still not. It's still got a few weak points, but I, I am enjoying the show and I'm liking the characters and I think it's going to grow on me. I hope it's going to grow on me. I, I really do. I, I think I'm going to like this one. I would have leant towards giving it an eight, but I'm going to take a point off for the cheesy, quick Captain Kirk resolution. Okay. So I'm going to give it a seven. Interesting. Okay. I'll give my score up front. I'm giving it a seven and a half, exactly the same score I gave the first episode. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I completely agree with you. They are very different episodes. Um, there are things in the first episode I liked more than this one. There are things in this one I liked more than the first one. Um, on the whole, though, I'm enjoying the characters, enjoying where they might go. I, I still like April very much. But I'm not overly caring for anyone yet. Uh, if Ram got killed in episode three, um, I probably wouldn't care. I'm, I'm just waiting for the, the, the real caring to, to kick in. I think I almost have it with April, but I'm not there. And when I, when I want to be, a, when I want to be a fan of a show and I want to follow it and want to really get into it, I, I need to have that sort of pull with the characters and it, it, it just hasn't happened yet, but I think... It may happen in the next episode or two. It'll certainly be interesting to see if, if next episode is the April episode or the Tanya episode, as we are talking about earlier. That that may help. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same place as you, Rob. I, I'm enjoying it. It's mostly well-written. It's well-acted. It's, it's a good show. It is a good show. It hasn't yet quite sunk into my heart or quite clicked yet. So it's, it's improving. It's still got huge potential. 
It's got absolutely huge potential, but it's not quite there yet. Yeah, and as we've said, some shows do take a while to get going, so to be saying this at episode two is, is maybe a bit premature for both of us, but it's it's just how we're feeling as we watch this live with the rest of the world. Exactly. Absolutely. All right, then. I will see you next week for some more class. Let's do it. Well, there's the bell. The show's over. You've been listening to The Doctor Who Show Presents Class the podcast where Rob and Dave from the Doctor Who show review the new BBC series Class week by week. If you like what you heard, why not tell a friend? Why not visit our website at www.thedwshow.net or drop us a line. We're on Twitter at the DW Show, facebook.com forward slash the DW Show and email hello at the dwshow.net. Of course, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or listen to the episodes through the website. The Doctor Who Show and all of the programs on our feed are by fans, for fans, and are also free. That means free of charge and also free of adverts. We'll see you next time.